The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, brothers and sisters, grace and peace are yours from Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. 1 Corinthians 6 pushes us in the direction of, uh, of approaching some difficult truths. It confronts us and confronts our understanding of, of the way that we live based on who we are. And as we start to look at that and, and evaluate that, we have to come to grips with the great deception that's happening all around us. It's not new. In fact, this, this great deception has been with us since the very beginning. It's the deception that believes the lies of the world and believes the lies that the devil tells us. And they sound something like this. My sin doesn't really matter. What's, what's the big deal? I mean, it's my life, so who cares? Well, if you read the scriptures, you know the answer to that. It's God who cares. And it's God who cares completely about you. And because God cares completely about you, he cares about every part of you and everything in which you're involved. That's the reality that's spoken to us in the scriptures. That's the truth of God that's poured into us. And that's where we have to begin our understanding of 1 Corinthians 6. We have to first understand the foundation of what God wants with us. We have to first understand this foundation. You matter to God because you were created on purpose. In fact, we could look at Psalm 139. Right in the middle of Psalm 139, it speaks of us being fearfully and wonderfully made. It sounds like this. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You see, the psalmist gives praise to God for his own creation, for the fact that, that God intricately knit him together, and that God's always known who he was. In fact, that he was created on purpose, and because of that, he is in awe, praising God for his very creation. So how about you? Do you, do you awe over what God has created you to be? Do you marvel? at the fact that you even exist and that God has knit you together intricately. Now, I'm not denying the reality of the world. I'm not denying the fact that we are broken because of sin and we are broken by the effects of sin. We always have been. That's a part of us. I'm not denying that. I know that to be true and so do you. I know that I'm broken because of the effects of sin every time I take blood pressure medication for my heart. 
but I don't lean into those things. I, I, don't, I don't embrace those things as if they're the good part. I instead know who I am in Jesus Christ, and I know what Jesus wants with me. I know that that doesn't change my identity, that I matter to God, that I was created on purpose. I also know that it's true, that, that I'm tampered by the world, right? That the world has, has tampered with me. I'm not a blank slate. I receive all kinds of messages, and so do you. We receive all sorts of messages from the world, those we want to hear and those we don't want to hear. And they begin to pollute our thinking and erode our understanding of who we are. We are tampered by the world. And as beings who are tampered by the world and broken by sin, it would be easy for us to turn aside and to say we just don't matter. But that would be far from the truth. In fact, those things do not take away from the fact that you are still fearfully and wonderfully made. They don't take away from the fact that you are one who's been created by God and recreated in the image of Jesus Christ. See, that's how God recreates you to be. Because you matter to God. And your creation matters to God. And you, you were created on purpose. And so when we start talking about the clear vision that we can have, we, we start by saying, don't be deceived. Right? Don't be deceived by the lies about who you are. Don't be deceived by the lies that are told to you about your identity. Because that's what the world would have you do. The world would have you base your identity on the things of the world. And so we fill in a blank, don't we? If I were to ask you who you are, we fill in a blank. I am. And we fill in a blank with all sorts of different things. I am my possessions. And we'd say, well, no one would say I am my possessions. But in reality, we think that we impress people by the car we drive, the clothes we wear. We impress people by the home we live in. We impress people with those things. And so that becomes who we are. That becomes our identity. I am, I am my possessions. But you're worth far more than that. But think of some of the other ways we fill in the blanks. I am, I am my image. Right? I have to make sure that I portray an image to people, an image of, of strength and of being put together, make sure that my, my hair is in the right place. I have to portray an image to people, or some might call it even a brand. And I let people see a certain part of me on social media, and that's all I let them see. I am my image. Or maybe I am my sin. And again, very few people would say that outright, right, would say that I am my sin, but that's what we say every time we identify with certain parts of our character and certain things that we've done and certain things that have happened in our lives. We identify with those things and we start to say, that's who I am and that's what we fill in the blank with. And we focus on those things and those become who we are. We make them out, we make them out to be our very reason for interacting with the world. I am my sexuality. It's one of the things that comes up in 1 Corinthians 6. I am my identification. We are not those things. We can even go further, can't we? I'm talking about the, the brokenness that we experience in the world. I am my disease. I am my plague. I am my deficiencies. And every single one of these things, every single one of those those things that fill in that blank, every one of those is a lie. It's a deceit that says that I am this thing because you are more than that. You are far more. And every time you give into that deceit, you're giving into the lies of the one who consistently and always tells you lies. 
That's the devil. And that's Jesus' description of him in John chapter 8. In fact, in John 8, 44, Jesus is confronting people who are telling lies and false narratives. Jesus confronts them and says, look, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. And listen to how he warns us about who the devil is. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Make no mistake about it. The devil has not only been lying since the beginning, but he is good at it. He's good at the deceit. He's good at getting us to believe these lies about ourselves. It's as if he is saying to us, I know what's best for you. God doesn't. I know what's best for you in every aspect of your lives. God doesn't, but that is a lie. Don't be deceived. Don't follow the lie. Instead, embrace God's truth for you. In fact, stand firm in God's truth. And as you stand firm in God's truth, you can say, I will not be deceived. My eyes have been opened. I see with eyes of faith. And as I look with eyes of faith, I see things God's way. I see the world the way that God wants me to see it. And I see myself the way that God wants me to see myself. Now you might say, well, well, how does that happen? How do I know how God sees me? And that's the point of God's word, the Bible. That God speaks to us through it. And he speaks life into us. This teaches us about Jesus Christ and about what God does for us in Jesus Christ. As we embrace that reality, that truth, we begin to see ourselves in a different light. And we aren't deceived any longer. So brothers and sisters, don't be deceived, not about who you are, and certainly not about whose you are. That's the foundational truth of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You are not your own. You are bought at a price. That price is the very blood of Jesus Christ shed for you. You are not your own. Instead, you are purchased by Jesus Christ. You belong to him. And in that belonging, you have a new identity. You are a child of God. You are one who is redeemed by him and claimed by him. You are one who now knows truth and sees truth. And so don't be deceived. You matter to God. And you say, yeah, I, I know that. I hear that every time I come. And yet it's something that we need to repeat. And so if you're even bold enough now, wherever you are, if you're in your living room or your office, to say that out loud, I belong to God. But as you speak those words, it's as if the devil flees from you. He has no hold on you because the truth of God is yours. I belong to God. You matter. Every single part of you matters. Every single part of you now acts according to that identity as a child of God. Every part of you. Some people will say, well, your soul matters to God, of course. Your soul matters to God, that's true. Your soul, your spirit, it, it matters to God. That life that he has breathed into you, it, it, it matters to God. And you start, well, if you look at that image, Soul, it was the most recent movie by Pixar. It's a great movie, but it's terrible theology. Your soul does matter to God completely, but not just that. Your body matters as well. When we say every part of you matters, it means the body. This, this body matters to God. In fact, it's a place in which his Holy Spirit has made 
his temple. It's where his Holy Spirit abides. And as his Holy Spirit abides in you, it gives the sense that this all matters and that, that God will redeem even this flesh. In fact, we say that every time in the creed. We say, I believe in the resurrection of the dead or I believe in the resurrection of the body. It's a profession of faith that says that God cares about this body. And because God cares about this body, he cares about what you do with your body. He cares about how you live according to the body. And that's what's spoken of here in 1 Corinthians 6, that we don't lean into the sin. We don't embrace sin in our lives. We don't embrace sin in our bodies, sexual or otherwise. But instead, we flee from it. We flee from it, and we live according to our identity because every part of you matters. Your soul matters. Your body matters. And your mind matters too. That seat which is so easy, easily deceived by the lies of the devil. And that's why in God's word, he tells us to, to think on the things of Jesus Christ, to focus our attention on those. In fact, to focus on those things that are lovely and upright and noble and true. He gives us things to think about, his things, so that our minds won't be deceived. Instead, we'll embrace the truth that we matter to God. Every part of us, body, mind, and spirit matters to God. And because it does, it impacts the way that we live. And so the Apostle Paul repeats this phrase in 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know? He says it three different times, do you not know? And when he says that, he's anticipating a yes answer. He's expecting that the people will respond, yes, I do know that. But the very fact that he's asking it shows that the people aren't living according to it. In other, words, in other words, what they believe and what they know to be true and what they're acting as if true are two different things. And it would be better almost if they didn't know those things. Maybe the same could be said of us as well. It would almost be better if we didn't know those things. But we do know them. We do know them. And so we have to admit that by our sin, we choose the way of the world and not the way of God. We admit that we go this way instead of that. And as we do, it means that we have to confess our sins, not try to hide from them in some way, not, not act like they don't exist and not act like they don't matter because they do. Because God wants what's best for us in body, mind, and spirit. God wants what's best for us in the entirety of our being. And so God not only creates us, but he recreates us, doesn't he? He forgives us of our sins so that we can be made new in Jesus Christ, so that we can be image bearers, those who reflect Jesus Christ to the world, those who know whose we are and know who we are, who live and act according to the truth of God. And so we aren't deceived. Instead, we are indwelt by God the Holy Spirit, built to be his beautiful temples, built to be ones built to be ones who know who we are and reflect that to the world. Because it does matter. Because you matter. You matter completely to God. Body, mind, and spirit. You matter completely to God in all that you are and all that you do. You matter completely to God as you embrace and live in his truth. And so brothers and sisters, don't be deceived. Instead, trust the truth of God's word. Every part of you matters to God. For the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen.